welcome to another episode of Not D&D, uh, which is brought to you by EN Live, part of EN World's leading tabletop news and review site. I'm your host, Jessica, but this week with me, we have someone far more exciting. We have the creator of Wise Women here with us. Thank you so much Hello. for joining us. Uh, Hello. Could you... <laughs> no, I just jumped I right just over there. To say hi. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great, because I wanted to talk to you and say hi as well. I was just saying, could you give yourself a little introduction and introduce yourself to, to everyone mm. watching? Hi, have you, hello everyone. Uh, I'm Sandra Alexandra Brockman. Uh, I am fairly new to designing games. Wise Woman is my uh, first game, so I'm just coming into this world of game design. Really, mm-hmm. uh, my background uh, has been in uh, well, in the creative sphere, at least in creative writing. I have published some short stories uh, back in Poland, which is where I'm originally from. Mm-hmm. Um, I have always been interested in uh, legends and mythologies and folklore. Um, and uh, over the last few years, started discovering more of the folklore from where I am from, which hasn't been that popular when I was growing up. Um, mm-hmm. So that is obviously the big influence uh, behind yeah. the game. Uh, and other than that, I stream a little bit uh, of Vampire the Masquerade. I um, have a background in history. I am now mm-hmm. recovering academic, but I have spent many years in academia. <laughs> uh, and yeah, very excited to be here. And a uh, big thank you to Jess for inviting me to come onto this show. Of course. Well, the game was recommended to me. And so we will be talking about uh, wise women uh, for the duration of the stream. Uh, but before we get into it, as always, I always ask the guest about kind of your history with kind of RPGs and, and how to you got to where you are uh, creating games today. So um, what was your first uh, you know, gaming experience? What was the first RPG you remember playing? So I actually started with a lot of homebrew. That's my... Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's usual or unusual, but that was the beginning of my uh, RPGs adventure. I mm-hmm. was aware of D&D, which I know many mm-hmm. people start with, uh, yeah. but I didn't really get a chance to play it. Uh, instead, I, um, in a very strange circumstance, ended up at uh, a summer camp that was RPG themed that got organized in Poland when I was a teenager. Um, And I've been hearing about RPGs for a while, but never got a chance to find a group. So I went there and Mm -hmm. um, the people who were running games there were using their own um, system Mm -hmm. that they created. I don't remember very much of it, but what I basically Mm -hmm. did was I copied it after that Mm -hmm. and changed it a little bit for my own purposes and started yeah. running games for my friends and then my friends went on from this or started developing their own ideas uh it was all very messy looking <laughs> back on it from what i remember uh, yeah. but there was a lot of trial and error and very diy mm-hmm. approach to it um and that was my beginning and then mm-hmm. when i finished high school i had a long break in playing rpgs i went to university i kind of mm-hmm. Uh, dropped out of um, the hobby for many years and uh, only a few years later when I was doing um, my master's degree I joined the student society um, in Mm -hmm. Edinburgh um, and started playing games there again and that was where I think my journey started more properly Um, that was about 10 years ago and since then I've been playing I've started thinking more about games and I didn't really have many plans to create them myself. Uh, but I saw some people around me create their own systems, talk about design. 
Uh, and at some point I started asking myself, well, if I was to do it, what would I do? And uh-huh. once I came up with a few ideas, I thought like, well, maybe I actually should give it a go. Maybe it would be fun. And that's kind of where my journey started. And um, there were a few ideas that still hasn't mm-hmm. haven't been completed, but I managed to complete Wise Women. And um, that's where it came out of. Amazing. So it sounds like from the beginning, you were kind of being a bit of a games designer because you were tweaking and editing systems right from the very start. So it's it's not surprising you've ended up in the kind of indie tabletop RPG sort of space. I think it is um, more unusual for people to come into the hobby not via Dungeons and Dragons, but I was the same as well. I started with kind of indie games and I was playing for like five years before I even played Dungeons and Dragons. So it is a way some people come into the game. Um, so we're going to be talking about um, wise women throughout the, the stream here. And if you're watching us live, you can ask your questions and we'll answer them live. So feel free to jump in in the chat. We'll even pop them up on the, on the stream uh, so you can have your name in on the small computer in front of you very excitingly. So just like this. Uh, so please ask any questions if you have any as we go. Um, but getting into wise women. Um, so could you tell us a little bit about wise women? Um, what's, how would you like describe it to people as a quick pitch if, if nobody's heard of it before? So, very quick pitch is Mm -hmm. that it is a game based on Eastern European folklore, uh, Mm -hmm. which tells the stories of witches living in a remote village community, um, which as a community has many taboos, including the taboo against the use of magic. Mm -hmm. And the place of the witches is unusual in using this forbidden ability, but using it to protect the community from various supernatural Mm -hmm. threats. So it is about walking this line between having power to help while not being accepted. Mm -hmm. I I love the concept of this game because it felt very, whilst the game obviously uses kind of magic and has some fantastical fantasy themes with it, um, it it feels quite grounded in real history because that's kind of what wise women were. It was these mistrusted women who were very knowledgeable about plants and and things like that but there was this distrust of women who knew things um, so I, I love that theme coming through in the book um so could you tell us um a, a little bit about kind of the so the system is uh, it's based on kind of powered by the apocalypse um could you talk us through kind of the the tweaks and changes you you've made to make it work for this this game um of course yes so as you pointed out it is based of powered by the apocalypse um it i well one of the uh big changes that i made is that there are no playbooks in uh wise women mm-hmm. um there are uh stats that are um rolled um with 2d6s as they would be empowered by the apocalypse but they're not they're tied to specific activities but not tied to specific mm-hmm. moves and moves mm-hmm. are all um uh, moved uh, into uh, I couldn't find a better word in the moment, uh, but they are uh, they come with the plants that mm-hmm. uh, the characters um, have some at the start of the game and then use them and pick up different ones as the game progresses. And these are the magical abilities, the spells that the witches can cast. Um, they are very much structured like powered by the apocalypse moves mm-hmm. and um, the idea behind it was um, to have what each character can do uh, not be tied to an archetype but fluctuate based mm-hmm. on the resources they have 
Um, so there are 20 plants in the game. Uh, each of them has uh, three possible uses. They're not unique. Some of them repeat between various plants. There are a few that okay. are um, only granted by one plant. Um, and in um, assigning them, I, I reached for actual folklore. So all mm -hmm. these uh, abilities are based on what were folk beliefs uh, in Poland and the surrounding areas about mm -hmm. what you can do with different plants. Um, right. So um, I very much wanted to put that folk clip across, um, mm -hmm. but also um, create the sense that what you can do very much depends on what you can get your hands on very much research is very important uh in the game um another thing i introduced uh, to the game is the uh social standing of the characters uh which mm -hmm. is something that fluctuates you uh start as being either liked or seeing as fairly neutral in the community but um as you are spotted using magic or breaking other taboos or doing something that your community would consider um, inappropriate or shady, your social standing goes down, which affects your ability to influence people. It can also go up um, if you save somebody, if you're um, seen as um, very, um, well, in some way important for the community and for its yeah. survival, but that is of course, only if you manage to hide the fact that you are using means that are not approved of. Um, mm -hmm. So this is um, another thing that I introduced. Um, mm -hmm. I think these are the biggest uh, sort of features of the game, mm -hmm. the most unique ones. Yeah. Um, there are like ties to different characters, PCs and NPCs that feature uh, in various Powered by the Apocalypse games as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love how you talk about the plants because uh, they're featured. Um, if you're watching the live stream, you can see all the pictures uh, uh, here, and you've got some beautiful artwork done there of all different plants. Do you have some examples of of some of them and the kind of things that they do in the game that's based off you know your real research of them? Um, yes, uh, uh, of course. Now I now my brain is not going to remember <laughs> any specific one, uh, but. Um, I think it's uh, I think it's like one of the things you can do uh, uh, sort of very uh, very simple uh, but important thing you can do is uh, to place a word against evil and that mm -hmm. is very much uh, oh yeah that is very much good use of magic light magic um, mm -hmm. another thing there is that there is light magic and dark magic there are yeah. separate skills okay. um, and you can lean more into one and the other and you can shift these points in there as well um, as your relationship with community changes. So very much um, protecting against influence of dark magic by possibly someone else from your coven or protecting from supernatural creatures that um, you can do it through using plants like corn cockle or uh, white bryony um on the other hand um there are uh powers like summoning the devil um oh. and making a deal with the devil uh and that is very much leaning into uh, the uh, dark magic aspect that is mm -hmm. uh granted by only one plant corn cockle um, which was in folklore associated with the devil in many regions of Poland. Um, okay. 
so that um, it is a very powerful ability, but of course, uh, if something goes wrong, it can go very wrong because now uh, the devil becomes a factor in the game. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so with like kind of dark magic and light magic, the difference between them, but it breaks like the dark magic kind of has more kind of consequences or the chance of it going wrong. Is that? Um, no, uh, it's ultimately whether the intent is okay. uh, protective or neutral mm -hmm. or whether it's harmful to others. So mm -hmm. um, I give suggestions in um, the book of what is rolled for its specific mm -hmm. spell. Uh, but I also have a little section which explains it. And mm -hmm. my thinking behind it is that um, if the witch's intention is to help somebody, to protect, to do something either selfless or something neutral that helps her but doesn't really impact anyone negatively, mm -hmm. it's like magic. But if it tramples on other people's agency, if it hurts them, uh, if it changes the way they think, if it's done with the intention of harm, then it is dark magic. Mm -hmm. um, for example, the ability to um, cause sleep in someone can be, like magic can be perfectly neutral if mm -hmm. which is just trying to sneak past them uh, mm -hmm. or uh, to just help them rest. Uh, yeah. But it can very, if it's done, uh, to then hurt them in some way or, or um, I don't know, rob them or uh, do something similar, then it would be dark magic. So there's also possibility for the whole table to decide which stats should be rolled for a specific use. Okay, great. That's good to, thanks for clarifying that on there because I hear dark magic and I'm like, oh, what does that, that kind of mean? It sounds uh, kind of tricksy like that. Um, so you talked a little bit earlier briefly as well about social standing, which I found really interesting because it, it's kind of almost like a replacement for that you'd have as like a damage or, or mm. like health you'd have in another game um so with social standing what's kind of uh, the consequence if it goes down to a certain level do you do you have to to leave does the game end what's um what can that impact can that have on the game with your social standing um, yes, you very rightly observed that it is very much like uh, how hurt you are, like tracking damage. So if your social standing falls, if it was to fall um, below the scale that is on mm -hmm. your character sheet, so below loathed, um, that is the point where um, the character is chased away from the community. And uh, the implication is that most likely they will not survive on their own uh, because mm -hmm. the village is quite remote. Or even if it's not, then the news will spread uh, through people who trade with each other um, that you are a witch and terrible person and not to be trusted. Yeah. Um, and wilderness is dangerous. And one of the... I mean, obviously, uh, if the group wants to play it in a different way, they can, but the character no longer can exist in the village and one of the ideas behind it is that you can't survive in the world without community you can't just leave society that you're in and not interact with it in any way um so that is what happens um when it falls um below the scale and um as it falls 
Uh, it also um, gives penalties to roles for influence, which is the stat for uh, any kind of social interaction. And the lower you are, the more severe the penalties uh, to reflect that people are not likely to trust you, believe you, or want to talk to you when you're like disliked or loathed in your community. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I think that's quite true. As, as tempting as it would be sometimes to not engage with society and just do our own thing, unfortunately, it's something we have to to deal with. So I love that balance between, like you say, having this this great power, but having to kind of you know balance it with how you're perceived by others and and, and how you use it. So I think that's a really kind of wonderful theme as well. Um, one thing we're talking about, you're saying using to protect things in the village, because in in this book. Um, monsters and magic and bad things are real. Could you talk to us a little bit about how that fits into the game? Um, yes, absolutely. So monsters are absolutely real. Um, the uh, groups are encouraged to bring in supernatural threats um, to the village. And um, the monsters, there are uh, 10 given in the main book and there's another supplement mm -hmm. on each with 20 more. They're also taken from Slavic folklore. Mm -hmm. um, they're there. Um, as this um, outside force that is, for once, uh, the almost personification of the reason why you can't quite exist outside of the village on your own. Mm -hmm. uh, it is there to uh, reinforce also the isolation of the community. Uh, of course, um, people can travel to other places, uh, but the game is very much meant to take place in one village. This way travel mm -hmm. and moving, it's not an easy affair, it's very dangerous. Um, and the supernatural threats that come in, um, they, I think on one hand, they tie in with the whole vibe and themes of folklore uh, that uh, I wanted to put into the game. A lot of the uses of the plants in folklore were specifically to protect or in some other way, uh, help against this evil forces, which are somewhere outside. Um, so this is this uh, um, this is this element, another element of mm -hmm. folklore coming in. Uh, but yeah. also, they can be. Uh, am I in the various plot ideas that I give and the book try to go into this? They can also be, while it's a threat in themselves, they can be a catalyst for various social conflicts or there can be an expression of um, something that went wrong in the community. Uh, it's not going to be the case with every um, supernatural creature that appears, but many of them um, in Slavic folklore come to be uh, from the souls of people who died prematurely mm -hmm. in a violent manner, uh, oh. something going wrong, um, which then... Uh, for example, if uh, um, there is this Poudnica, uh, it's like midday lady, uh, which mm -hmm. is uh, formed from uh, the soul of a woman who died prematurely just before getting married. Um, there is, like, the appearance of such a supernatural creature can then lead to a story, which is all mm -hmm. about how this woman died in the past. Was someone to blame? Was someone involved? Was there neglect? Was there social pressure that led um, to her death uh, for various steps? And the story mm -hmm. can be 
about uncovering that as well as dealing with this threat that is a catalyst for all these things happening and coming out. I love that. I was just going to ask if you had any examples of any of the kind of supernatural threats. So that's a a great one to bring out. Do you have any kind of other ones you could could share with us from maybe for I don't know if there's some from kind of a folklore we might not be familiar with in in the UK or America? Um, Yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, uh, there's uh, uh, quite a lot of different creatures. (laughs) I'm trying to select the one to talk about. Yeah. Um, the one that uh, I think, well, at least like from the few people who told me they play the game, it, it seems mm-hmm. to be quite popular and speak to people, uh, was uh, Poinetnik, which I translated as Clouder, which mm-hmm. is um, not entirely malicious in the game. It's the um, supernatural cre- creature who pushes clouds on the sky to make it okay. rain, uh, fills them with water and with mm-hmm. hail. Uh, and causes storms, but also causes um, rains that are very necessary for the harvest and survival um, of the village. And um, the relationship with the creature can be managed Mm -hmm. by the witches they can talk to, a clouder, Um, but um, it is still a supernatural creature who might get offended very easily and not Mm -hmm. really differentiate between... uh, one person who offended them and the whole village and just bring the storm on the whole community uh, if they feel slighted or just okay. on a whim decide to destroy harvest. Um, so that's one example of another creature that's in there. I love that. That sounds great. It feels like uh, the the kind of supernatural threats create stories almost on their own. You just put that into the game and you've instantly got like an adventure that's kind of happening. Um Uh, Outside of those, so in the book, you say you kind of have suggestions for kind of stories to tell and and things like that. Could you talk us through um, what that kind of looks like? Like what if we sat down to play a game of this, what sort of stories would we be telling? Um, Of course, yes. So I put a lot of uh, plot ideas, uh, the very short paragraphs that include the possible summary of a scenario that might be happening. And then, uh, of course, this can be taken to the table uh, and various things can happen. But um, the way um, I think the most sort of standard setup I would imagine for a game of wise women um, is that um, you start with your coven of witches, mm-hmm. um, maybe some sort of setup of situation in the village. Uh, every witch has uh, two NPCs. Um, she has ties to one she cares about and one that is some sort of negative relationship doesn't have to be mutual, but this mm-hmm. negative from which is high. So I think showcasing some of that relationships is always a good idea uh, mm-hmm. and bringing them in uh, and bringing the people the witches care about or the people they want to see hurt in some way into this supernatural uh, circumstances that mm-hmm. uh, might threaten them, but they might also threaten the whole village. Um, and I think, like, I think it's nice to have a little bit of social setup, and then yeah. the emergence of something strange starting to happen, uh, some kind of supernatural threat being introduced. Um, and then um, it is about, on one hand, investigating what is going on, 
uh, trying to navigate the social situation on the other hand, because us strange things start happening very often. Mm-hmm. The village will get super vigilant and start suspecting mm-hmm. that yeah. oh, maybe this is because some witch cursed us or cursed the specific person who's been hurt. And maybe it is, maybe someone from your coven did it at some mm-hmm. point in the game. Um, so I think the standard game is on one hand investigation and trying to resolve the supernatural threat, while on the other dealing with the social issues that, um, well, the conflicts, the mm-hmm. uh, kind of petty rivalries that um, get um, flared up through mm-hmm. this very tense situation. Uh, that came on the village. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a very optimistic game overall. I think it's more <laughs> likely that um, even if you manage to um, chase away the supernatural threat, and even if you manage to protect the people you care about, um, there is likely to be some cost to your place in the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe you can't protect everybody. Um, and there will be some kind of trauma running through the mm-hmm. community. So I think it's it will. I mean, with my my idea for it is that it will never be hundred percent happy. Uh, but the point is uh, to me about the resilience of the coven going mm-hmm. forward and not giving up and continuing to try to survive and make their place in the community where they have to live. Um, mm-hmm despite things not being easy and not having a hundred percent happy ending. Yeah. That that's very dark and <laughs> I, I love it. It's great. Um one of the, the reasons I really like this and wanted to have uh, you on to talk about it as well is because um I love that this was a tabletop RPG focusing around it felt very much around like kind of women's experiences. Mm-hmm. Um and I know even though it's based on you know, kind of folk- folklore and like a of of a of a certain you know kind of time and fantasy. Some of the themes, like you were talking about just there, did feel kind of relevant to today with balancing you know things you want to do with like your societal and your community expectations of you and that resilience and things like that. So I thought that was kind of you know really wonderful, and I love how the theme of community uh, is is really important in this in this game as well. Um, I was just wondering with if you had any stories about some of the communities or you know the covens and the players that you had in playtesting or in some of the games you've played of Wise Women you could share with us. Um, yes, uh, absolutely. So one of the... That was a playtest where I got to play uh, and my partner ran the game for us. Uh, we were dealing with uh, a similar... Uh, it was slightly altered, but it was ultimately a creature very similar to um, the Lady Midday, the spirit that appears at midday in the fields uh-huh. um, and uh, attacks people. Um, and um, the story was um, about um, two sisters um, who um, one of them... Uh, has well, people thought she ran away, uh, mm-hmm. but in fact, uh, she has died, um, okay. and um, she um, has been uh, killed by her uh, lover, um, sort of by accident in a fit of rage because she was pregnant with a baby by another man that she was now in love with, 
Um, <laughs> so that was, well, it was her former lover. She was now engaged to. Um, and that was in the past. That was what we uncovered. But in mm -hmm. our story, uh, we were dealing with this, uh, her spirit that returned, which we didn't know where it came from, who it was. Mm -hmm. um, and also for the character I played in that game, uh, who was uh, a young uh, lesbian woman and a healer, uh, she was in love with the other sister from this family, who now was being forced into marriage with the man, her sister who disappeared, and in fact died, was meant to be married, and she didn't want to um, mm -hmm. get married at all. Um, so I got to, well, on one hand, um, try to, uh, well, develop a romance with that character. And, and that did happen for a very fortunate set of roles. Uh, <laughs> they, they managed to confess their feelings to each other, uh, despite uh, my the, the other woman's like father completely disapproving of us even hanging out with each other. And on the other hand, we uncovered what happened um, and uh, we um, we also lost a little bit of social standing in the uh, meantime as we were going into the forest where the body uh, of the sister who has been killed was left which again angered some of the forest creatures that were also getting stirred and becoming a threat to the village um, and uh, the ending was pretty sad and bittersweet in how mm -hmm. we uncovered the murder. Uh, the man who was responsible actually died. We tried to keep him alive, but we mm -hmm. failed because um, that was to do with the forest creature we encountered. Um, but we managed to put the spirit of the dead woman to rest. Um, and uh, well, my character um, got to uh, experience uh, well, mutual like love, love found love with mm -hmm. the one she was in love with, um, despite losing some social standing. So there was still on the horizon a threat to that relationship, of course, uh, growing. Um, and one other character who was kind of not popular in the village in the first place uh, really lost a lot of social standing and became even much more this probably witch who lives at the side of the woods uh, and the character who was very popular and well liked was much less liked and lost mm -hmm. some of her friendships and status that she had in the village. Wow, that's quite the story that you can tell using this game. <laughs> um, you, We've mentioned a few times that obviously the, the setting can be like quite quite dark and it doesn't always end well um so what sort of advice would you have for somebody that's looking to to run this game for people in terms of you know like safety and, and making sure everybody's comfortable at the table yeah i um, i think it's absolutely very important to um get um to make sure everyone is up for whatever you're bringing into the game mm -hmm. obviously the game can touch on very dark themes Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's important to, uh, well, first of all, establish the list of topics where it won't go, uh, that are off limits um, mm -hmm. for at the table, um, due to whatever reason for which someone yeah. doesn't want to deal with them. Uh, and I think it's important to also have some other safety tools, uh, like the uh, green orange red light system or something like that to or x cards to be able to stop and discuss things um 
or whatever works best for your group. Uh, I know various people have mm -hmm. very different uh, preferences for safety tools, but I think it's important to have something because, yeah. um, yes, it can go into these fairly dark places. Uh, another thing I, I talk about in the game, and I think it's something very important to establish um, at uh, session zero or however you're deciding pre before the game uh, where, what you will actually explore, what you will go into, uh, is that obviously in its um, most close to real world um, and darkest form, the game's society uh, would be quite oppressive and quite intolerant of any kind of difference. Uh, but I think um, I don't want to um, force this game to necessarily be tied to having to deal with things like homophobia uh, mm -hmm. or um, some forms of racism. So uh, I think, like, I leave it up to each group to decide mm -hmm. whether the society in their village has this kind of prejudices mm -hmm. and bigotry in there or whether this is not something we're dealing with yeah not a problem uh we have a taboo against magic but none of the like real world um yeah bigotry and that is also perfectly fine and valid way to play i think it's most important that uh everyone is on board with what kind of topics we're going into um and some of the creatures obviously are tied to certain themes more mm -hmm. than others, some of them um, involved someone dying already in mm -hmm. the past. Um, there are things tied to pregnancy and abortion in the game that you can go into, uh, mm -hmm. but this might be uncomfortable for some people to sure. uh, deal with at the table. Um, so then uh, my advice would be to um, talk to your players, make sure you know what areas like what topics are off limits, uh, make sure you know what level of prejudice in the village they want, and mm -hmm. then look for the uh, creatures that you can introduce and pick something that doesn't, like, is that isn't even close to any of the uh, off limits stuff. Yeah. Uh, there is a lot to choose from. And I think um, a lot of, although there is potential for a lot of very dark topics, many of them can also mm -hmm. uh, be easily avoided by just being. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think, like you say, it's, it would be even the ones you've briefly mentioned just now, like you mentioned about the, the creature that affects how the clouds and storms come away. That could be an excellent obstacle to have that doesn't necessarily hit on any you know specific issues for people, like a lot of the triggers that you mentioned there. So uh, that's definitely great advice. Thank you so much for that. Um, so speaking kind of about the development of the game a little bit more. Um, so you went to Kickstarter last year. Uh, and got funded and all fulfilled now and things. Um, so uh, for a lot of people, I think sometimes have ideas for their game and want to start crowdfunding. Would you have any kind of advice or, or tips to give people that were going to be doing a, their own crowdfunding campaign for their games? Um, yes, one uh, because like it's the, the main game is done. Some of the stretch goals aren't yet done, and I think. Mm -hmm. uh, I perhaps was a little bit too ambitious with them. I mean, I really want to do all of them, but they are taking a bit more time than I anticipated. So mm -hmm. my, my first advice, because I went in there very spontaneously, uh, would be to plan out what you can do, plan out the time. There will probably be a delay. Don't worry about it too much. 
uh, because life happens and it is impossible to mm-hmm. predict. Uh, but I think if I was to go into another crowdfunding, I would want to have much more at least written before I went into it. Um, mm-hmm. So if you are able to um, do some writing before crowdfunding, I would recommend it for the peace of mind. Um, mm-hmm. I think, um, well, shipping, uh, there were some misadventures with yeah. uh, shipping of the game. It, it mm-hmm. took much longer than I expected. Um, I think uh, researching different uh, either fulfillment companies or, um, yes, options for shipping it out, how long it is likely to take very thoroughly is also uh, a good idea. Of course, prices now change and they're like pretty wild delays uh, Mm -hmm. in general. Uh, So not everything can be predicted. And I think my another point of advice would be to uh, not panic if there is a hurdle or if something gets a bit delayed if something isn't as smooth as you expected it to be especially going into it first time it's very much a a steep learning curve there will be um, missteps there will be always things you could have done better but uh, I think it's important to keep in mind that as long as you update people how it is going and you get the game out to them um it's you're doing well and uh you're not it doesn't mean that's sort of false i struggled with a lot it doesn't mean you're dishonest in some way or doing something wrong if if something outside of control of your control happened and um you um yeah like something didn't Mm -hmm. go as as you hoped uh these things will probably happen do as much research Mm -hmm. as you can to try to avoid them uh but if they do just think what is the best way to even try to either making make it up to backers in a way like i know some Mm -hmm. of the games just got lost on the way or they took very long time uh, to get delivered and i felt like well at this point I had some extra money from the Kickstarter. I just had to sort of take it and resend the stuff mm-hmm. um, because it was taking so long and I wasn't sure if it was ever going to arrive or not. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I don't, I'm still very much processing the crowdfunding. <laughs> I, I, the game did much better than I expected it to do. So I was learning yeah. very quickly um, how to uh, print much, many more copies than I, I thought I would have to. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's great to have some success with the game and have, you know, people want to back and, and be interested in it now. Um, so if people are interested in, uh, you know, supporting the game and, and getting a copy, where's the best place for them to, to get those? Um, there are uh, electronic copies available on uh, drive-through and uh, each. Mm-hmm. Um, the game uh, originally was, uh, the physical copies were only to be available um, through Kickstarter, so they're not available at those pages. I do have some left that I've been selling to people, so mm-hmm. you can get in touch with me um, on Twitter um, and let me know you'd like one, and uh, we can sort something out. I am very happy to sell the remaining ones um, to people who are interested. Uh, I may 
think about making them more broadly uh, available to people who are interested. As I said, I didn't quite anticipate uh, that much interest in my game when I first intended to make it <laughs> as a sort of uh, my first zine project. Uh, mm -hmm. And it grew beyond the zine as well in the writing. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But um, yeah, uh, but I... Uh, I'm still thinking about where to go from this, and I, I am planning to uh, maybe make them available also in uh, physical form on drive-thru, probably, or each. But mm -hmm. for now, I still have some left, and the electronic copies are uh, in both those platforms. There usually are some community copies. I should actually add some again. I will be doing it over the next few days on mm -hmm. each. So if you can't afford the game, absolutely feel free to claim a community copy. Fantastic. Um, so the links uh, for Itch and also on Drive Through RPG will be in the show notes if you're listening to the podcast or if you're watching it live, they're in the comments section now and popping up on your screen. So you can take a look out there to get your PDF copy. And of course, the uh, Twitter contact on Twitter as well. We've got the link in there on the show notes and on the screen. So if you want a physical copy of the book, you can get in touch with that as well. Um, so that's fantastic. Thanks so much for going through kind of the, the game with us. I always kind of ask uh, near the end if there's um, anything more you want to share about the game. Is there an important question I forgot to ask you or, or something else about Wise Woman? Um, I don't think you forgot to ask anything that I can think of at least <laughs> at this moment. Uh, I will say that the illustrations that you praised are done by my very good friend, uh, Maria mm -hmm. Danielak, uh, who is an artist from Poland. Uh, mm -hmm. So I want to give her a shout out uh, because uh, I was very lucky to have her be interested in working with me on this game. Mm -hmm. um, and um, yeah, uh, another thing I can say is that I am slowly finishing another supplement about festivals and customs, also drawing from Polish traditions. They will also mm -hmm. include plot ideas, ideas for using these various customs and festivals in the games. So that will be coming uh, in uh, just PDF form uh, to drive mm -hmm. through. And each anyone who already has the game will be able to download it. And I will be publicizing it when it comes out. But uh, it's it's almost it's almost written right now. Perfect, exciting. Something to something to look forward through with that. Um, and of course, uh, I guess following you on Twitter would be a good way to keep up to date with with what you're doing with those things for updates. Um, that's fantastic. The other question I will ask you, not about wise women, is I ask all my guests for any recommendations for other indie tabletop RPGs that aren't ones you've made. And um, so, do you have any recommendations for us? Um. Yes, I get to talk about things other people did now. Uh, <laughs> yes. I really want to recommend uh, that uh, has been one of, uh, I think my favorite ones that I got sort of over the last year or so is, uh, is Dungeon Bitches by Die Dying Stylishly Games. Mm -hmm. uh, and it is a game, it's also powered by the apocalypse. Uh, mm -hmm. And it is a game about uh, queer women who in this um, sort of standard-ish fantasy uh, adventurers set up society don't fit into the social norms at all. Um, so they, uh, well, fall out from it and reject it in a way and make their own way by uh, mm -hmm. being badasses going into the dungeons to have adventures and romance each other while also dealing 
with their trauma and their issues that they carry inside them and the hurt. Uh, and in that game, I, I really like that uh, dynamic between being a badass, but also uh, <laughs> having hurt and something not being quite right and the community you find in your yeah. group of other bitches who just like, <laughs> do things their own way. Um, Bitches another, and witches, love it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, another game uh, I will shout out is, it's a very different game, but it's um, it kind of uh, spoke to me, it's a very little game called The Vampire Next Door that I uh, got to run uh, earlier this mm-hmm. year, uh, and it is um, a game where you play kids who go on holiday to a village to stay with their grandparents, and there is a vampire who moved in, and all the villagers don't seem to realize it is a vampire, but you're the ones who see, so you have mm-hmm. to expose him. And it is much more lighthearted than a lot of mm-hmm. stuff that I tend to lean towards. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I it just had this spirit of adventure and this very simple but very uh, nice idea, and it, it really mm-hmm. spoke to me, and I really enjoyed running it. We had a very good time with it. Um, and um, should I do one more? <laughs> if, you, uh, if you have it, if you have it, I'll take a I recommendation. Can do one more. Yeah. Uh, okay. Just a very quick shout out to a game by uh, another Polish designer, uh, it's Katarzyna Kuczynska, uh, and uh, Game Machinery, uh, the uh, publishing label. Uh, she and I think her partner developed. It's a game called Defiant, and uh, I really like the setup of the setting. It's a game where you play various supernatural creatures, angels, demons, some old gods who during uh, what is essentially the uh, apocalypse in the Christian mm-hmm. sense rebelled against their place in the order of things and established their own society in this enclaves. Um, and the society is still is very strong rigidly structured uh, and that's to do with needing to um, keep certain power that lets them even do that and rebel in order and in this game you play uh, nobles who rule over many other characters and have to keep order in their domain um, in order for the social order to not collapse Mm. and it is very different experience um but there's a lot of really nice creativity in the setting and a lot of it really speaks to me so i also recommend it they're fantastic there's some three really great recommendations there so there's some things um I'll be checking out as well. So thank you very much for sharing those with us. Um, also, I think we're coming up to the end of the hour now. So if you do have any further questions and you didn't have time to ask, no problem. Uh, you can get in touch with Cassandra on Twitter there. Uh, so you, I'm sure you can get in touch if you have any questions about the game there or would like to pick up a physical copy for yourself. Um, and as we come to the end of the hour, I'd just like to say thank you so much for coming on and uh, sharing your book with us, sharing Wise Women. Uh, thanks so much for your time with that. Um, Thank you so much once again for having me here. Uh, It's been a pleasure. Um, Excellent. Well, you're more than welcome to come back. So if you have another game you're doing, come back on the show and tell us all about that too. Uh, But for now, I'll uh, run the outro. 